Hello there. Welcome to episode four of Death by Papercut, a show about stencils and the people who enjoy creating artisan handcrafted confetti. And uh, I'm actually curious about how many different ways I can come up with to say cut holes in paper. Uh, maybe get an over over under going on that. But I guess I can't actually compete in that, right? Doesn't seem like that would be fair. Anyway, I'm your host, Joseph Richards. You can find me on Instagram at in the perimeter and at email at deathbypapercutspod at gmail.com. And my guest today is Dad Socks, a stencil artist out of Arizona. And he's the first artist that I've had on here that has actually made a full transition from hand cutting to laser cutting. So we spent a lot of time on that. And we also spent some time near the end talking about the relationship artists have with social media, which was also something I really wanted to get his thoughts on. And just a warning, towards the end, you might hear my kids in the background. I recorded this during their naps and thought I'd be safe, but once again, they tricked me. So if you hear the faintest, can I get up in the background? That is my son. And just to clarify, he is not locked in his room. He's definitely able to come out. He just knows he did not take a good nap. But just want to get on the record, not locked in the room. So on to the episode with Dad Talks. Hope you enjoy Well, man, welcome to the show. Glad we finally uh, got this straightened out. Today I learned Arizona does not do daylight savings time, so something new there. No, we do not. It's, <laughs> it's quite nice, but you forget that everybody else changes time. And it yeah, especially with schedule. kids. Yeah. yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice <laughs> to just have the, the uh, opt-out option on that. Oh, if you definitely. Have kids. Hopefully yeah. they get rid of it for the rest of the country. It's really yeah. no point. Agreed. So kind of how I like to kick things off is really just... See, figure out how people find this hobby, how you got started, kind of what made you stick with it. Mm-hmm. Just kind of generally, because that's that's really like the most interesting part of this to me, just to see what how you found this and the, what what made you decide like I want to just keep cutting holes in paper, yeah, and and painting through them for hours on end. So yeah, I mean that goes way back. I think I was really, you know, kind of growing up around New York City and taking the train into there you know, really, you know, interested in graffiti art. I love seeing the stuff everywhere, you know, but it was kind of a little bit unattainable. You know, I liked drawing and stuff as a kid and I was okay, but nothing, nothing great, but always loved art and graffiti and all that. And there's like an old, I've tried to find it over the years again, but it was like graffiti.tv or something like that. And just really loved watching all that stuff. Those guys bombing trains and, you know, sneaking around and all that. I always thought it was really fun. And then one time they posted a video on there, these guys doing a multi-layer stencil. And I was like, wow, that looks like fun. You know, one, it was like two or three stencils and it kind of looked a little bit photorealistic. And I wanted to just learn more about that. Kind of like scoured the internet, like what's that called and and everything. And uh, I stumbled upon Stencil Revolution back in like <laughs> high school. Yeah, And this was like 2003, maybe maybe a little bit later than that, and just kind of scoured that for how to do it. And I think my first stencil was in of like on my surfboard of like Jesus or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> it was like a one layer stencil. And, uh, you know, I was kind of like hooked a little bit, but I don't really think I really dove into the multi-layer stuff until later on in college towards the end of college. But I was still interested in it, looked up YouTube tutorials all the time cut stuff out and, you know, either sprayed it or didn't. 
but I think my first like real multi-layered stencil was of like Don King on a skateboard, like a blank skateboard <laughs> deck. And I remember being so stoked on it. And that's really when I got the bug and just started like experimenting on small canvases and things like that and really saw it as a way, you know, and that's when kind of when like Banksy was kind of coming out and street right. art was starting to take off too. So you kind of see it as this, oh, maybe I can show in a gallery or something like that. So that's kind of where like the bug, you know, really got me. It was kind of like ebbed and flowed um, over time. And that's kind of just where it all all began and, and got all that um, yeah. going. Yeah. Well, that's funny. You were the first person I've ever heard that said they did Don King as their first. <laughs> yeah, I don't, <laughs> their first stencil. That's I have no one. idea why. I'm not a huge <laughs> boxing fan or anything like that. I just think he's like an interesting looking guy, and yeah, you know, I found a good high contrast photo, which I learned later on is really great for stencils. Right. But it just kind of worked out. I wasn't doing much to doctor anything back then. Just kind of ran it through some posterized filters and you know, whatever popped out was what I cut. So, yeah, I think most of us start that way. I remember when I, I first started, I was making stuff for friends or whatever, and they were big into wrestling. So I would just do wrestler stencils Mm -hmm. and it was the same thing. I would just, I would run it through whatever came out. I didn't edit anything. And one of the guys posted on Reddit and that was like the first thing they said, it's like, Oh, I see. He knows how to use the, uh, the posterized filter. Cause it's just like a, a dead match, you know? Yeah. So, and that's funny that everyone I've talked to so far, we kind of have that common thread of stencil revolution being kind of the hub of information. That's, I guess we're all kind of got started about the same time. So that's interesting that that's, we have that in common. Yeah. I mean, I think like if you talk to most of the guys, like there's a couple of, you know, decently sized names out here. You know, I talked to Ben Jams. I don't know if you ever connected with him before. He has the same story. Colzar has the same story, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, you know, it was really the only source of information before YouTube started to, to, to grow, you know, and become really a central location for people to learn. That's, that's where I learned, you know, most of like how I put together stencils of just taking little bits and pieces, you know, now anyway, my process now is stuff from YouTube and, trying to figure out how people do it and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of develop my own process along the way. So you actually, I was just skipping ahead, but you've got a pretty solid community out there with those two guys. I mean, I follow them on, on uh, Instagram and I've actually bought a piece from Colazar a few oh, years no ago. Kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm um, definitely familiar with their work. I haven't, you know, talked to them very much, but that's cool that you have, and you guys did a show together, right? A few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We right? all did it. We all did yeah. a show. And that was really a lot of fun. That was like kind of a game changer for like really wanting to, you know, connect with other guys and really happy you're doing this whole thing and just to kind of hear everybody's story and get connected with it. So I was excited to participate in this after, especially after doing that show with those guys. I knew that Ben Jams and was, was in town and, you know, we had connected on Instagram, but we had never met in person and just, Mm -hmm. we ran into each other at an Ace Hardware you know, when we were doing a mural <laughs> festival, picking up paint and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, are you dead sucks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Then jams. I was like, Oh man, this, that's awesome. You get excited to see people in real life and, yeah, you know, talk to them. I kind of have a similar thing with Colzar. I actually didn't even know he was local, but I kind of knew of him through ELK cause they were kind of tight for a while. Uh-huh. And, uh, just ran into him at a uh, makerspace. You know, we're both using the laser cutters there. That was a, a cool conversation. I talk about our 
transition from hand cutting to that, which I'm sure will take up a large portion of this because I know a lot of guys aren't aren't doing that just yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I ask everyone about it just because that, that part's really interesting to me. I'm not 100% either way. Like I, mm-hmm. I see the merits of both. It's just always that, that transition like you're talking about is is the interesting part to me. Like when you make mm-hmm. that choice that, you know, it makes more sense to do to do one versus the other. So that's funny. Did you see him working on something and you then you figured out who he was? Yeah, I walked. I was kind of leaning over. I was like, dude, are you cutting multi-layered stencils? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I was like, I was like that's what I'm cutting out. He's like, oh, sweet. And we kind of chatted. And I was like, oh, do you have an Instagram or something? I was like, yeah, it's Colzar. I was like, oh, no shit. <laughs> I was like, I'm dad socks. He goes, oh, no way. That's funny. <laughs> so it was it was fun, man. Connected over all that stuff and kind of we kind of helped each other out. With some yeah. things in there. It was fun. His stuff is wild, man. I don't under I don't understand how he when he says the layer counts and some of that stuff that he posts, I don't yeah. understand how he keeps it straight. Yeah, no, I don't, now you know why he's laser cutting. It's oh, like for sure. That would be <laughs> death to your hands. I mean Oh man. I know they're like smaller layers, but still it'd be he's he's had some that are like fifty plus layers. Yeah. I messaged insane. him one time, I was like, How do you even pick the colors for all this? And I guess he's got custom palettes. Yeah, he's got custom uh, palettes in Illustrator. Photoshop. Yeah, or and, yeah, and Illustrator. Photoshop too. And, you know, I, I've i never really, like, asked him. I really, I really want to know. I want to start getting into more full-color stuff and kind of get some ideas. But, you know, I've tried to replicate that kind of stuff using, like, using Illustrator, but haven't really been able to. So he's got, he's got a process there that I would love to pick his brain on. Yeah, I, th- I feel like his is one of those processes that even if he shared it, how many people are going to be willing to to go through all those steps to uh to copy oh, it man. you know yeah just like the the layer order and how you paint like which colors do you paint first and how many times are you going back over those sections you know because i've done multicolored things but it's very segmented out you know mm-hmm. if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't for me yeah and you know it's hard to like kind of mix color lines or like uh gradients of color together that's how i found yeah, I saw you did one. I think it was a mural where you had kind of the flower was in color mm-hmm. and the rest of it was kind of monochrome. Mm-hmm. I always think that's cool when it's just like a, you know, maybe one piece of it that really pops having that color. That's yeah, something I'd, I'd like to to try out here pretty soon. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun doing doing that. I probably just did my first. I haven't posted it yet. I'm trying to wait on some of the video stuff, but did a, a, a rooster down at this at my brother-in-law's ranch. That's pretty much a full color. Like part of it is monochrome, but it works because of the feathers of the rooster. But I'm pretty stoked on that. I can't wait to share that one. Actually, yeah, I love I love seeing that stuff. And I think Nils posted something on Reddit a couple of days ago about because he he does this stuff in like four or five layers. And I kept looking at him like I don't understand how he does the color on this. Mm-hmm. And so he has separate color layers that he does on top of like his main layers. Mm-hmm. So that was cool to see. But it's also like he. He eyeballs everything to Doesn't line up. Really? Yeah, it's wild. So he he said he somebody asked him about it. And he said he picks like reference points uh, in the photo. Mm. Like if you're if you use like a shoulder and part of the head, mm-hmm. as long as you hit those, he, he knows he's in the right spot. Oh really? And I'm like that would just stress me out. Oh too, yeah, too much. Yeah, I got my I got my big X's everywhere. Just oh man, to, yeah, I can't I can't do without that. I'd love to understand how he does his his murals, man. I don't think he is projecting anymore. At least I don't think he is. I don't I think even he know grids if he's hand cutting. Does he yeah. grid it? Hand painted? Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. seen him before. Like he just has like a phone. 
in his hand. And I don't, I talked to Mowgli about it and he, he handcuffs his, the stencil still. Oh, really? Kind of does like teacher with the uh, mesh kind of background mm-hmm. yeah, to save them. So you get more, more sprays out of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Nils, he, I don't know if freehand is the right word, but yeah, I think he grids it out. I don't think he yeah. uses stencils anymore. Wow. It's just crazy. Yeah. That's just mural painting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It's wild. Yeah. I definitely wanted to, I know you've done quite a few at this point. I wanted to get in that with you. I kind of want to ask you, like, how did you, you have a very distinct style. Mm-hmm. Like I can see your stuff and know that it's your stuff. How did you, and it's mostly like the backgrounds, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Where Or the lack thereof. <laughs> well, I'm doing one now and it's, and I hate backgrounds and I hate yeah. trying to pick something. And I was bringing my wife in there and she's like, no, this is clashes too much. And, mm-hmm. and I just, but I hate just leaving it white because I don't spray them clean enough to not have like the overspray yeah. everywhere. Um, but you've kind of, you've kind of hacked that with just the, uh, I don't know if you would call it a halo, but or yeah. is, that, is that the word you would use? Is that- yeah, they're, they're plenty of, I would say they're halos. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I struggled with the same thing for a long time, right? It's, you know, you try to put a background in there and it doesn't really, it just kind of clutters the front portion of it. And I think it really just gets down to learning about, you know, especially for stencil artists, I think if the, the one thing that I started to learn that really helped from a design perspective was un- like studying graphic design and, mm-hmm. you know, and composition, because you can have the best stencil in the world, but if it's not composed properly, it's going to look like a sticker on the page. And I've always just struggled with getting around that. And even if you don't do a halo or anything like that, you know, how do you get it to not look like a sticker on a, on a canvas is just something that you just have to mess around with and learn. I don't really think I have any tips or tricks or anything about that. Um, but as far as like the overspray goes, I'm a really sloppy sprayer. Um, yeah. it may not show, but I always save my, uh, first cut, like the off cut from like a, like your first, from my first layer. And I use that as a mask and I lay that down over the finished stencil and clean up the white. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I, I typically do just an outline of the whole thing and probably the same thing you're talking about put it over the top. And if it's too messy, maybe spray something around like a, a different color around the outline to kind of, kind of blur that, that transition a little bit. So I guess, so you're just interesting too, though, because I guess you can use that halo as a, I mean, you can kind of just put your things dead center, right? And that kind of, because normally you would kind of want it off to the side or a little bit, right? Kind of like the, like yeah. I said, the rule of thirds, but by putting yeah. that in the middle, it still yeah. looks, it still and looks, it still yeah, looks great. That, yeah. I like, I like dead centering things. And I think that just really, you know, not to get like too crazy nerdy, but you know, <laughs> it goes down into like an art history, you know, kind of love. And like, I, I don't know why I was really attracted to, um, this is, this is real nerdy, man, but like Byzantine icons, you know, it's like really dead center, simplistic work. And they had really gaudy backgrounds. But if you like just take the halo and the subject, it was always dead center and had these gaudy backgrounds behind that. And that's kind of was a lot of, you know, my motivation with the halo and trying to figure out, it was kind of a time I was just looking at that stuff online and also trying to design something at the same time. I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. And just kind of like people liked it and it was, you know, not necessarily easy to compose, right. But, you know, straightforward and it kind of just kind of became, you know, a formula for me and then just kind of has have messed with that over time. 
you know, try to add a little bit more visual interest and, and things like that. But I've tried to move away a little bit from, from the halo and try different things out, but I come mm-hmm. back to it a lot. It gives you like a very distinct look, even if the, I think you had a biggie one at, mm-hmm. at one point. So even if it's like a stencil that people recognize, mm-hmm. just adding that, I mean, people realize that it's yours. Of course, yours is much better than most of them that are out there. So that also <laughs> helps, but there's a lot that are better than mine too. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, uh, feel like I talk about this with everyone, but there's definitely levels, right? It's crazy yeah. to see on Instagram, like what some people are doing. I'm like, I don't even feel like we're doing the same thing. Like we're not yeah. even the same hobby. It's, it's uh, inspiring and discouraging at the same time. There's just some guys who are on a different level. It's, yeah, it's crazy just the way they put it together. You know, I've, I've probably gotten by <laughs> mostly just out of sheer, you know, graphic design ability. Honestly, I think that's really push my work a little bit forward. But from a technical perspective, I don't think I'm near on a level like a Logan Hicks or a Nils or, or a Snick even with halftone and stuff like that. But I've been trying to do more with bridges, like incorporate them, incorporate them into my piece instead of hiding them like I normally do. And that's, mm-hmm. it's a whole different skill set. I mean, it's, it looks random, like when you look at their pieces, but now that I like try and draw them on there, you yeah. realize there's definitely some method to the madness. Yeah, I uh, I stopped dealing with bridges at all a long time ago. I just I just cut extra layers to handle that issue, which was okay at first. <laughs> and then <laughs> you're like, oh man, I have how many more layers to cut yeah. out? This is a lot. But I've maintained that. You know, I think that was a big push to switch over to laser cutting. You know, trying to maintain the same process and not change it up too much. You know, it really kind of creates like uh, limits the time um, put into like the design phase on Photoshop. Mm-hmm. It just allows me to get to cutting much sooner. It allows me to focus on like the actual composition of everything rather than like building out the stencils and you know even then like just coming up with different hacks in Photoshop to help me with that too. It used to take me a lot longer just to do one layer. It would take me like an hour, and now mm-hmm. it's like a couple minutes, honestly, just to put together. So well, that's interesting. Yeah. So. I- I assumed it would be the other way around almost that your design. And I don't know if that's because you just add more layers or if that's just how it is. But I, I always assumed you guys would have to spend more time in Photoshop prepping the layer than you would. Cause you can make adjustments when you're cutting by hand that you're not, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you don't get to do when the, once the laser gets running. You know, I think it's just about, you know, I've ran into that issue in the past with the laser cutter, right? You know, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't have the ability to make those adjustments that I did when I had, I was like, you know what, this isn't going to work and you can just cut it differently. Right. You can right. kind of just, you know, have that feel with it and say, you know, I know that this should be here rather than here. Or if I cut this out, I know it's going to create an Island. So why don't I just not do that while hand cutting? But, mm-hmm. you know, you definitely run into that with, you know, I've run into that where I get done with a piece and I'm like, crap, like this whole section looks terrible and I'll have to, go and mock it up and say like, okay, how do I fill in this section without redoing the whole piece? I have a really hard time with respraying. It's, I don't, I think it's just laziness, but I like just getting it done the first time, you know? So a lot of the pieces are just my first spray or my first go at it. And so if there is a mistake like that, I just try to correct it with, you know, more layers. I'll I'll go recreate something and and cut it out. I'm kind of the same way. I always feel like I'm going to do like, this is my, this is my test spray. And then yeah. that just ends up being the spray. Because like, <laughs> yeah, there's always no. adjustments, but it's especially if like you're hand cutting it to go back and like, I don't know what would make me go back and recut a layer 
to spray again. I can't think of a reason unless someone was was paying me for it. But like on my own, I'm not going to go recut things that yeah. are too labor intensive. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I can't imagine hand cutting anymore. It's, really? It's just, yeah, it's so time consuming to me. And you know, I, I mean, I've been using a laser cutter probably just as long now as hand cutting and i probably have lost a lot of that skill anyway so if i went back and tried to hand cut something i could probably do it but but it's not going to look nearly as good as some of the stuff that i was doing right before switching obviously the laser is going to be better at certain things like really small you know uh pieces but you know at the end of the day like if you put me to the test i could probably do it it (laughs) i have faith in you i feel like you could do it be that that muscle memory would come back yeah i would hope so yeah I think I've messaged you about it on, on Reddit before about the, and you told me you used a, this was years ago, but like a tech shop and mm-hmm. just rented time out there. And then I think you said you were cutting out a chipboard at that, at that time. I don't know if that's still, still what you use. We have a, we have a space like an hour from here and I went mm-hmm. and tested it out one time and I got some, uh, it's called oil board. I had a little roll of that. Yeah. Yeah. That works well too. Yeah. It cut really nice. I told Anthony that it cut out a giant chunk, like 10 seconds in cause it was, you know, a piece I would, I would draw something to when I'm cutting by hand and just didn't even think about it when I was, <laughs> when I was taking it up there. So that was, that was a little depressing, but. Yeah, there's for sure a learning curve with it, you know, and like getting your settings right and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I still use chipboard. Um, that's my main thing. It's, you know, it's rigid enough to keep for a long time. You can get I like a crazy amount of sprays out of it. So when you, when you do those murals, are you, so you're machine cutting those, are you just, you're just tiling everything together? It kind of depends. It depends. So I do both, right? So most of the time I project it. Um, oh, okay. That's like my first mural. I would project it. That's like li- pretty labor intensive, right? I project each layer and I hand paint it in and I'll color match. So originally I was doing it where I'd spray the spray paint into a cup, pour little mineral spirits in there, and then just, you know, outline it, like block it in and then hand spray it on. And I think that actually produces some of the cleanest results. Uh, it just takes forever. And a lot of times it's overnight if the mural's outside because you can't really see in the middle of the day. And then sometimes I'll use kind of, especially if it's inside or if the run up to the mural is really short, I can't use a projector. I, uh, I'll i use similar to, it works the same exact way as a laser cutter. It's a CNC router and you can do like four by eight foot cutouts and it just kind of works on that same XY plane. And it just has a router and it goes around, it cuts the stencil out. And I use like a thin cardboard. I don't use chipboard, but mm-hmm. um, kind of corrugated cardboard and a really tiny little bit. And, you know, I'll do big, large format stencils that way. So those are the two different ways that I'll put together murals. I've been leaning more towards the projection method um, just because I like the results a little bit better. And I can actually get it up quicker. Like if a client was like, hey, can you do a mural in a few days? You know, I don't have time to cut out stencils. I can just get all the supplies that I need, get the stencil designed, and then show up and paint the mural. You know, need to drink a lot of coffee and stay up yes, overnight. Say, yeah, just don't <laughs> sleep for a couple of nights and you're good yeah. to go. That's funny. Yeah, I have seen some guys use the murals. Uh, I mean, the projectors before. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like talking to more guys in this that are doing murals. I mean, you know, it's a lot of work, but just talking to y'all and, and seeing like all the little steps that go into it. Yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting though. I always love looking at that stuff. It's just hard for me to kind of wrap my head around all the, the process of it right now. Of doing a mural? Yeah. Just the scale, like scaling all that stuff up and then 
like you're talking about, like you get the right paint and color match and just kind of intimidating. If like, that's going to be your first one, all the stuff you have to account for. Yeah, it's definitely intimidating. I think the first one I did was on a friend's house and that was really <laughs> nerve wracking. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, yeah, because you then know. you'd have to see it all the time, right? Yeah, you got to see it all the time and had paint bought just in case, you know, it went totally wrong to paint back over it. <laughs> but it ended up working out really well. So, and, and I, and I, you know, I'll, I'll give credit to my brother-in-law, Gabe, really kind of pushed me. He wasn't my brother-in-law at the time. We were really good friends and then we married sisters, which is awesome. So he really pushed me to do it. He's like, you got to get into murals. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of work and it seems really intimidating. And so he was living in our friend's house and it's like, Hey, I got him to let you paint the wall. So we're doing this. I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, he really pushed me to, to do it. And, you know, I've always, I had always wanted to, but I just kind of needed the shove, I think just in the, the push to get it done. But it was, it was definitely well worth it. It kind of really opened up another door to like, you know, different clients, right. Or just ability. And I didn't really get paid for a mural for a long time. You know, it's kind of just kind of proving yourself and also you're not really confident. So how do you charge appropriately? All that. Mowgli and I talked about that, the pricing, and that would be, that would be the hardest part for me. Like I would be almost apologetic painting it where maybe, uh, maybe just cover my paint or whatever you feel comfortable with and I'll just work kind of thing. And then we'll see how it turns out. But that's, uh, so is that something you're, you're getting more into in these days? I saw you just did one not too long ago. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to do more murals. I think they're, you know, if you can get paid right, they're definitely economical, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can put in, you know, for me, it's almost the same amount of time as a canvas piece, you know, as far as prep goes, you know, obviously not the installation and painting is a little bit more labor intensive, but, you know, you can definitely make a little bit more money if you're really trying to do that. But yeah, I mean, when it, when it comes up, I kind of miss canvas work right now. A lot of the, because of like COVID and everything, all the places that I usually go to laser cut are closed. So I haven't, had access to a laser cutter in some mm-hmm. months and I actually just, I actually just bought all the parts from China to, uh, Oh, you're going to make your own. Yeah, I'm going to build my own. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So, I always see those like, cause I mean, they're expensive to get like probably the size bed that you would need. Yeah. I mean, to, to do 10, it like yeah. 15,000. Yeah. Crazy. I know even, I know Glowforge is their best one is probably like what five or six, but it's yeah, not, yeah. it's probably not near the size of what, what you would need. Yeah. It's like a little bit bigger than a piece of paper. It's like yeah. not huge. So, you know, and even the one I'm going to build is like twice the size of the one I normally use at like shops and things. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. It could be a complete and total disaster, but, <laughs> you know, I'm, but we'll see, you know, I like, like the challenge of it, but, but yeah, I mean, I think because of that, I've been pressing into murals and, you know, just did that one recently at a hotel and it's, mm-hmm. You know, the backdrop, which I didn't even realize when painting it because they were just building the the hotel there. This, you know, really popular coffee shop here opened up a location. So it's working out really well. It was not something that, you know, I was expecting to be such a good placement, but it worked yeah. out really well. well that's cool. Yeah. Do you do you have like a little team or do you do all those by yourself? It depends on who's available, right? Like my wife right. <laughs> has helped me out a lot in the past couple of murals that I've done. And she's been awesome to kind of jump in there and stay up all night, you know, when she can. And we don't have any kids, so she's able to do that and vice versa, you know, if she needs to do something. So I'll be there for her. But, you know, and then my brother-in-law still comes up and helps me out a lot. And he's just been doing that with me since the beginning. So it's actually really nice, you know, when he comes through because he just knows what to do. Yeah. And, you know, my wife's getting to that point. She's done two with me now. So 
but he's done probably half a dozen murals oh, wow. with me now. So that's cool. It's worked out. Well, he better, right? He's the whole reason you, yeah, you got right. stuck doing them in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's why he gets free stuff. At yeah. The ranch. yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I kind of want to circle back to the, your transition to, to the laser. Yeah. So I guess what I'm, what I'm kind of hearing you say is just, it's more like a production issue, really. Kind yeah. of just the amount of time it takes to, to cut and like an amount of stuff you produce. Like I could see it where, you know, I have more ideas than I do have time to, mm-hmm. to create them. So I feel like that, like if I did this to start selling things or more than just for fun, I, I totally get why that makes more sense. Yeah. I think, you know, originally, you know, I hadn't really shown a piece when I've made the transition. It was more about like experimenting and, you know, pushing the limits of, you know, layer count and things like that. But what I realized is I wasn't doing m- many more layers, you know, with a laser cutter than I was by hand. But when I was able to do a piece that was huge and get that done in like a day or two of laser time mm-hmm. versus, you know, a hundred hours, <laughs> you know, it's, I realized that the economics weren't really there. If I wanted to push into that, this was, you know, maybe back in 2012 or or 2013, I really, really wanted to start, like I started connecting with galleries and just building relationships, you know, to just to kind of prime that desire to get out into like the art scene here and share my work. Cause I'd gotten a lot of compliments just from friends and family and stuff, but really wanted to test it by putting out in public. But I was like, if, if I get a show, right. If, or at all, you know, I would need months of run up. What if they mm-hmm. asked me to do it in a month, like next month, there's no way I could hand cut it in that amount of time, unless I quit my job and that's all I did. Yeah. So the laser cutter just became, yeah, like you're saying a production issue, you know, if you get 10 commissions, are you going to take a year to do all that stuff? That's really <laughs> what my time, yeah. you know, would have been like. So I was like, well, laser cutter is the option for that. And it just kind of, you know, I guess it becomes a crutch after a while. You kind of rely on it. And I used to be really snobby about it. And then I saw that Logan Hicks switched over and I know he's kind of built a name for himself and everything. But even then I was like, well, you know, he's, he has a right to do that. He's put in the time and everything. And I watched a video of his kind of, he was asked about it and he said, listen, I the process is cool for people that I'm paraphrasing. He might have said all this, but this is kind of what I get out of it. Um, you know, the process is cool for, you know, people who also do this. But what I realized is for collectors, people who are buying your work, you know, they don't really give a shit about the, like the process. They just care about the end result and whether or not you hand cut it or you laser cut it, they're still interested in how you put it all together. There's still a little bit of mystery. Wait, you did this with spray paint. How the heck did you do that? You know? So that was kind of a license for me to say like, okay, this is okay to let go of. Cause I had a lot of, you know, friends who were experimenting in like makerspaces and doing different things. Like, why aren't you using a laser cutter? This would be like a hell of a lot faster you know, there's still a skill involved in putting the stencils together and formulating that process. Like that process doesn't change whether you're hand cutting or you're laser cutting, just the time put into cutting just is drastically reduced. Yeah, um, for sure. So that was, that was a big reason. It's just production, man. Just getting more pieces out, being able to do a solo show is, you know, really difficult to do with hand cutting. You know, you really have to have a year really to prep that, I think. That makes sense. And somebody, it might've been Anthony that said it, we were talking about the same thing with Logan Hicks and he was like, you know, what I would have to charge people 
Mm-hmm. This is me being Logan Hicks. If what I would have to charge people to hand cut a piece for them to make that worth my time, mm-hmm. nobody would ever pay. Yeah. It would just be thousands and thousands of dollars to spend that many hours cutting something. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely makes sense. And, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. And you see how much stuff like he, he puts out and it like all sells out. And you would rather have, I guess, just runs of stuff throughout the year, except, you know, like, like you're talking about one or, you know, one or two paintings a year. Yeah. That, that you might sell a couple copies of. So, yeah, that's interesting. So, how is your, design process changed on that i know you just said it's kind of similar to to how you would prep if you were hand cutting but yeah i mean honestly if i'm just doing like a monochrome like grayscale one it's really no difference in how i prep that other than now needing to prep cut files after that you know and slicing them up into the right sizes and everything like that but it, it's really opened the doors for stuff like multicolor work you know that you know i don't know how you know someone like colzar was doing you know, all these hundreds of layers and, you know, to do something that's multicolor, but, you know, really jumping into these multicolor things, it really jumps from like, on average, my stuff is around 15 layers, but then like you're, you're really ever, every color, it jumps up for me, 15 layers. So if you do four or five colors, you know, that's the multiplier for layers on the, on the piece. So, and just, that's just my process for it. It's, I think it's clean. It's probably a little bit more laser labor intensive than it needs to be, but I know that like Ben Jams has come up with some hacks for that because he is still hand cutting and, and everything. So he produces some pretty awesome stuff and using the same stencil and spraying different colors on that. But for me, it's like, I'm so analytical. I need to know exactly where my color is going that, you know, I've just resulted to doing tons of layers. And I don't think I would have done that or felt like I could do that from a time perspective. Cause there's a lot of anxiety, right? When you cut, you spend all this time cutting, like, is this stencil going to work? Oh, for you know, sure. <laughs> when I lay it down on the, on the, on the canvas, am I going to like break a piece of it? And it's like almost completely ruined. I don't know how many times that's happened to me. So that kind of anxiety, you know, builds up and you're like, well, do I really want to spend all this time cutting to not have a good end result? And, right. you know, that's just my perfectionist mentality, but. That makes sense though. And also it may let you experiment a little bit more and not have, like you're talking about that. You get that quicker turnaround. Like if you oh, have definitely. an idea you can cut it and spray it in like a week instead of a month and then it not work out. And you're like, well, shit, I just wasted all this time. I guess it's not wasted. You make adjustments, but still like mm-hmm. to, to be able to test that stuff out quicker and, and kind of move on. Yeah. I, when I started changing my design, I, I did it on like a big 18 by 24 mm-hmm. piece and I cut the first layer. And then I was like, I feel like I should test this on <laughs> some smaller pieces. Yeah. So I did a couple, I've cut out a couple 11 by 17s. I haven't sprayed them yet, but I put a pause on the big one to let's see how these work out. Cause that's going to take me months to cut that. Yeah. It takes a and long then time. I'm just going to be stressed out like the whole time, just praying that it works. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Dude, yeah. I mean, yeah. Experimentation definitely goes through the roof when you get rid of like 90% of your cutting time. You know, you're not as anxious about it. Definitely. For sure. The color stuff is interesting. Like I, and even, I know we just talked about Logan Hicks, but like when he does probably similar to like what Ben Jams does Mm -hmm. where they do, I mean, he'll do like four layers and it's got, I don't know, six or seven colors. Yeah. He does kind of like the gradients and all that. And I just watch those and I'm like, I don't know how you'd keep track of that from layer to layer. Like I would do like what you're talking about easily. Yeah, I would have like 10 layers of yellow, 10, 10 layers of orange kind of thing and try and blend it that way. But he just, yeah, 
He's, he's amazing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to experiment with that. And I think, you know, even now it's like having a, a laser cutter at home is going to exponentially increase production too. Cause oh, I for can sure. just throw a layer on and let it cut. Cause usually with these, you know, maker spaces, you only get a certain amount of hours to work and, you know, even for some of the more complex layers, it still takes about an hour for it to cut out. So, you know, if you're like, I only have two hours to work in here and one of a couple of those hours is two layers. Now I have to reschedule and come back. You know, it still takes some time and effort, like just from a time management perspective, but, you know, having something at home would be awesome. I think our place here is, it's like a solid hour each way. And like you're saying, you book like an hour at a time and it's, yeah, it'd be, you'd almost just have to, I don't know how busy they are. I'd almost have to book an entire day's worth of, of time to just yes. knock it all out. And, and yeah, some, sometimes you get lucky and, and it's not busy and you can just stay on and, and keep cutting until someone shows up. That's interesting. So you have to have like a dedicated, or I guess you can vent it outside, right? Or you have to have mm-hmm. the laser outside. Is that kind of how it, the setup goes? Yeah, here I have like, uh, we're still renting, but you know, we got a little shed here. Um, and usually, you know, we've, Anytime we look for a place to live before moving, we try to find something with like a shed in the backyard mm-hmm. um, that I can convert into somewhere to paint. Because you know, having everything in the house it gets you, know, you have <laughs> a under cans yeah. of paint, it gets a little cluttered. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, having it out there, I'll vent it even outside of the shed. Because if I'm spraying in there and cutting with lasers, that's probably not the safest thing in the world. So, <laughs> I'll. <laughs> Definitely an explosion hazard. Yeah. Probably, yeah, it's probably not recommended with your with your Chinese laser, but no, I love definitely it. not. Fingers crossed. Yeah. That's funny. Another thing I wanted to ask is how do you kind of how do you pick what to paint? Because I feel like you're you don't have like a a lane, so to speak. You kind of you'll kind of venture into pop art, and then I know you had like the the fractal stuff for a little while. Mm-hmm. You kind of seems like you're always iterating and testing new stuff out. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that and and or thought about it. I think a lot of it just stems from what I think looks cool at the time. You know, I think one of the biggest faux pas, especially like when you start getting into the the gallery world, it's like, what does this mean? And, you know, you learn really quick to make something up because no one wants to hear like, oh, I just thought it looked cool, you know, but that's generally how it how it goes for me. Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, a large part of it's like what I'm interested in at the time. I think I've always really loved hip hop. So that's always going to be a theme, you know, in um, the work that I do or, you know, something I really care about at the time, you know, whether it be protesters or something like that, you know, listening to stuff about, you know, soldiers experiences in like Iraq and Afghanistan and like the emotional impact on them and things like that. And, you know, and have that guide your work. But, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, some pop culture stuff or just kind of, you know, what I'm feeling like experimenting with at the time. I don't think there's really, especially the stuff that I'm creating for myself. A lot of it is, you know, I want to create something for myself. And then also what are other people going to like at that time? So, you know, having commission work, obviously, you know, you're doing what they want to do and how do you think through how to present this in a way that's like stylistically like your own work, um, but also what they want. That's, always a tough challenge, but when you're just creating stuff for yourself, it's, or to share with other people or potentially sell a lot of that time, you know, I think a lot of people just create what they want to create. Like I'm, I'm, I think way too hard (laughs) for that kind of stuff, like, but in a negative way, right? If I just created the stuff that I wanted to, I think it would be a lot easier, but I'm constantly thinking about, okay, well, I enjoy this. I think it looks good, but you know, 
will someone buy it? Will someone want to buy it? You know, and that's probably like not a great place to be in when you're trying to create art and be inspired by that stuff. But a lot of times it's just kind of like what I think, you know, looks good. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) fair enough. At a a certain point, people are are coming to you because of your style, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, I guess that's probably the the end goal. They like what you do. So they're just coming, Hey, I want this, do it your style instead of kind of trying to conform to, to what they want, even if it's not what you would normally choose. Yeah. That's like 5% of clients, man. (laughs) What's that? They just say, do what you want. Well, yeah, I hate that. I don't like that personally. It's too open-ended. It's like, Oh, do what you want. Oh, I meant more like just do it your style. Like not try to match. Like if someone comes to you and say, I really like how so-and-so does this. Can you do this for me? Like, do you like stuff like that or? Oh, do it like someone else's style. Yeah. Do you oh, I've, I've never, I've never really had that before. Okay. Um, but I think a lot of times they're like, oh yeah, can you paint this for me? And mm-hmm. and you, you try to do it in your own style, but a lot of times they, they have something very specific that they want. And it's really difficult to say like, Hey, that's not really something that I do. <laughs> you know, or That's I, wanted, yeah. I would like to do it in my own style, but I would say it's about 50, 50, you know, people who are like, Hey, I want, you know, Superman, but do it in your style. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I want a portrait of my son, but do it in your style. You know, but then there's, you know, you get those clients that are like, Oh, I want Superman, but can you do it this very specific way? And you'll do it, but it's like, it's not fun. <laughs> you know, cause it's, <laughs> it's just, you're replicating something that someone else did. And, right. you know, it's like, okay, well, I can't really share this. I would like to, I've actually had someone ask like, Hey, how come you didn't share that commission that you did for me? Oh, like, really? Well, that's like a really awkward question. For <laughs> like, sure. Oh, like, well, oh was... were you not proud of that thing I paid you for? Yeah. yeah well, no, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's funny. Well, that's, you just did that Superman one, not, not too long ago. That's probably kind of what you're talking about. Like, Hey, do Superman, but it's still, looks very much like something that you would, you would put together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love painting that Superman. I, you know, I, it was really funny. It had like a series of like DC comic ones. I was like, oh, I'll maintain this whole style through all three of these, you know, and, and hope that both clients like it. And, and they did, they really liked it a lot. So, That's you know, cool. you know, that was a lot of fun. Do you do a lot of commission? I guess this is not like your full-time job, right? No, definitely not. Okay. I, I sometimes wish it was, and other times I'm thankful it's not. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, it's interesting. I'll go through seasons where I'll get a ton at one time and then go through a huge dry spell. And, you know, I think this season I've been asked a couple times, but haven't, but, you know, haven't really been able to produce. I just let them know like, Hey, it's going to be like several months, you know, until I can get back into a laser cutter. So yeah, and get access to a laser cutter. So but yeah, I mean, I think during dry spells I, of commission work, like canvas work, I try to like push on the murals and, you know, see if there's a wall I want to do or reach out to a business or something like that, you know, and that's worked out a handful of times, but, you know, usually life gets pretty busy. So it kind of gets in the way. It's still half hobby, half something I make money every once in a while. Yeah. Kind of like a side gig yeah. when you, when you need it. That's cool. It's funny what you said when I asked about how you choose what to do, because I'm kind of like, I, the same way I just, whatever I think is cool and whatever I mentioned at the time. And it's, it's funny to read. And that's probably what I would say if someone asked me like, Oh, I just thought it was cool, which as yeah. you said, is not what people want to hear, but it's funny <laughs> when I read, like if somebody asked, 
shit, I don't know, Shepard Fairey, why he painted something. Like there's like a super long explanation. And then I just read like a, a book of Keith Haring's journal entries. And you can tell he has like a lot of thought behind everything. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me like second guess myself. I'm like, I feel like maybe <laughs> I should be putting more effort into this and, and, and having like all these layers of meanings mm-hmm. behind everything I'm working on. Like, I don't know if that's the way or if people care about that. I'm sure there's people that care about that, obviously, because they're, they're buying that work, but yeah, I don't know if they buy it because of, because I feel like it's, it's like a book. You're going to take away what you want, no matter what mm-hmm. I, as the author tell you, it means to me. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, a, that's it's always, a, it's a balance, you know, cause there's definitely been pieces I've put a lot of thought into and have come up with it. And, you know, the pieces I showed when I did the show with, uh, uh, ben Jams and Colzar, like those pieces had a lot of meaning to me. And I like put a lot of effort into kind of portraying like what I was feeling about it. But I think I've done that maybe once or twice with pieces, you know, it's, you know, and it, it really just, it's not something I, I thought super deep about. It was just like, yeah, how do I convey what I'm feeling about this and trying to do that visually? And it just kind of comes together. And that yeah. sold, that sold one of those pieces. Like they asked what it meant. And I was like, actually, I don't, I told them straight up, I usually don't have any meaning to my work, but this piece actually does, or these pieces do. And that was like, oh, wow, that's, that's really powerful. How do I buy one? You know? And it's like, oh, wow, damn. Like, you want to buy this? Yeah. <laughs> that's <awesome>. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, like, I don't have any payment methods to accept this, this money. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not, uh, not anticipating this moment. That's cool. Though. Yeah. I think people appreciate the story behind things. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I could see that gives you more yeah. of a connection to it. But I think like, you know, I wouldn't feel too anxious about that because I don't think a lot of artists are doing that. You know, a lot of times it's just I'm just replicating what I'm what I'm seeing, you Uh know, in like on a canvas or something like that. And I think that's kind of distancing away. But there's this expectation, right? Like especially, you know, when you get into showing paintings anywhere, you know people are expecting this deep meaning and, you know, a great, which is a little silly. I don't know. Like, but you know, a lot of times I get around that by just asking what it means to them. Yeah. You know, Cause that's more important than what it means to me. And they really like that a lot. So a little mind trick. I like that. Yeah. It's good. You should almost maybe just tag them on the walls. Like the ones I just thought this was cool. And then if you have a story, you can tag that one. This one has a, ask me about this one. Like the rest yeah. of them are just stuff I thought was cool. Yeah. But no, that's interesting. It's, it's funny what people take away from the exact same uh, piece. It'd be mm-hmm. totally different than probably what you ever intended. Oh, yeah. I, um, I guess I put a little more thought in just because I'm still hand cutting and it takes, I got kids, I kind of just do it when I can. Mm-hmm. So it has to be something that, you know, something that I want otherwise. Like I'm not, I'm not going to just do something random just yeah. to have because I'm not going to try and sell it just to have it sit in the corner of my, of my room, you know? Oh, so yeah. I'm definitely a little more picky about subject matters, but I don't think I definitely not as deep as like a shepherd fairy answer. To oh, those yeah. questions. I mean, he thinks really heavily about all of that. You yeah. Know? But yeah, I get that. I mean, that's how I was a lot, you know, even towards the beginning when I was laser cutting, it's like, okay, this stuff is going to sit in my house or I'm going to hang it in my own <laughs> house. So, you know, uh, you know, even I still have a ton of stuff sitting around. It's like, where would I hang this piece if nobody yeah. buys it or if it just hangs around for years or is, am I going to even like looking at this thing you know, <laughs> after I'm done with it? So that, that definitely like determines a lot of the work that I do for sure. So 
Yeah, at this point, it's more like, would my wife like this hanging in the house <laughs> if I have to hold on to it for 10 years? Yeah. So that's that's my Look, uh, question you know, now. Luckily, my wife likes likes my work. It would be terrible if she didn't. Because <laughs> it would just all be in a closet somewhere and <laughs> just, just not seen. Well, my stuff is in the uh, corner of my office, so I guess I have my answer right there. But yeah. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe I can hide it in the kids' rooms until they get old enough to tell me that they don't like it. Yeah, that's so, I wanted to touch on this a little bit. So I, re- I had reached out to you maybe, I don't know, a month, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. When you, uh, I feel like we both took breaks from social media and kind of came back around the same time frame. Yeah. And you had that big post and I reached out to you and told you, like, I really appreciated it because I kind of, I don't know if anxiety is the right word and I don't want to speak for you, but just getting wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I needed a break and needed to not kind of have that in my life for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm much more, I guess, disciplined about it now that I re-entered that world. Is that kind of, is that kind of the, the same reasons that you took your break? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it was anxiety, right? It's yeah, you know, I think something that, you know, if you're not struggling with it as like an artist in general, then you're not really thinking heavily about what you're doing, right? It's just something that comes really easily to you, you know, especially if you don't have like. Here's where I think it stems from is having a day job and then trying to do it on the side and wanting to do it well, you know? And, you know, I think anyone who gets into stencil art and does it for any length of time, you know, knows the time, dedication and commitment it takes to, you know, make a stencil art piece. And there's also a level of like perfectionism that comes with it in some Mm -hmm. ways, right? Because you need everything to line up perfectly. It's got to work out. So if you're going to put the time into it, like you want it to come out good. Right. If otherwise nobody would do it, you right. know, putting in these hours and hours and hours of, of doing it. So, and that's just like creating it. Right. And that's not, that's not even adding the layer of, of promoting that work. So it's like, you're wanting to do well on your day job. <laughs> you know, you want to do well in your personal <laughs> life and your, and your uh, relationships, you know, and then you're wanting to do well in, you know, really like your kind of your passion projects, you know, your artwork and, you know, that, that, that's anxiety driving, you know, you, mm-hmm. there were times where I, I, I was like, I don't even know how to get this done, especially if there's like commissions that are, that I have to get done. And especially in a season where I get a lot of them, especially around like the holidays or just after is usually when I get the most. And, uh, you know, you have all these, all these things happening all at once and you just, everything just falls by the wayside you know, as far as promoting yourself goes, and then you get anxious about it and you're trying to be disciplined and it just is, it's just too much to handle. And I don't ever think it was a conscious decision to be like, you know, I need to step away from this for a while, but it was just something I just, I couldn't even think about, you know, I'd be creating, there's still stuff I've created in that season that I've never posted. I don't even think I have photos of it because I was like, I just don't care anymore right now. And, and a lot of it was, you know, just trying to reduce that stress that I was feeling to be better about it. I knew the right way to do it, but couldn't get the discipline or the time to do that amidst everything else that I was trying to be disciplined about. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, being home a lot, right. With, you know, social distancing and COVID and all that stuff and working remotely you know, kind of just got me thinking about how do I step back into this and really wanting to create again and, and take it seriously in a way that doesn't overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And honestly, the answer to that was having a sister that the sister in law that does uh, social media planning. <laughs> so that helped out a lot, man. And I think, you know, she did it pro bono at first, but I'm going to pay her going forward. And I think it's, it's worth if you have a little bit of extra cash for me, that's helped out a lot. You know, I still have to write the captions and everything, and it still takes work on my part, but not having to like choose what to post, I think opening up the world of like, Hey, you don't always cut and spray everything you create, right? There's digital mm -hmm. designs that you're doing and kind of opening up this world of like, Oh, I have more stuff to share than completed pieces because there's always the anxiety of like posting something new. I need to post something new that somebody hasn't seen before. And I, I kind of stopped treating my Instagram like an art gallery, which is how I was treating it before and just treating it like a social media account. That's what it is. And it's okay to repost things. It's okay to like propose, uh, post work in progress and things like that or ideas that you were having. So like even recently, you know, those like Mandalorian pieces, they're all just digital and I'm okay with sharing that and telling people these are digital works. I think it was just kind of letting go of sharing new things, letting go of needing to share all the time and you know, yeah, definitely reducing anxiety was a big part of just taking a break and mm -hmm. it was needed and it's kind of refreshed, you know, my, my desire to paint and, you know, get back into this whole world. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I appreciate sharing that. I mean, it's definitely something I kind of deal with too, and it's can definitely tell like a, a difference in, in tone in your posting. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Like not, in a, not in a bad way. Just it's, it's definitely, it seems more I don't know if thoughtful is the right word, but it sounds like kind of what you're, what you're saying. Yeah. And you also seem to be like more, um, doing more like shout outs to like your, your community of artists, which I think mm -hmm. is really cool to kind of expand that. I really like that. Like I always like discovering new people, even mm -hmm. if it's not like specifically, uh, stencil related stuff. So yeah, no, it's really interesting. And it's, it's interesting. You say that point you make about the anxiety coming from the work itself. Cause yeah, I, I feel like at a certain level, there's kind of like no like level meaning like how technical a piece is. There's mm -hmm. kind of no way around that really. Like you're talking about, there's so much that goes into each, each step and like how much time it takes and yeah. you're just stressed the whole time. And um, yeah. So, I mean, that's like, I see some of that stuff and you definitely respect the amount of time and, and effort people put into, to replicate, to do this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think like, it's just, you know, as stencil artists, especially, it's like reducing the time that you can put in or, or increasing the amount of time you can put into a piece anxiety free, I think is the best mm -hmm. way to go. Um, and as far as like, like you were mentioning voice and tone and like Instagram and stuff, I think I was just trying to be somebody that I wasn't, you know, yeah. before and just trying to like either have things be too polished, you know, it just didn't really feel like it was me sharing, right? It's just you know, let me just be myself. Like I'm like I was saying, you know, when we were first talking before, like, like I'm an open book, man. I really don't, I really don't hide anything. And I've always kind of been like that with my relationship. So why be like that with people who are interested in the work that I'm doing and mm -hmm. interested in the work um, or interested in like, you know, how I'm going about it, you know, be honest about, you know, where things are. And I think people will appreciate that. I hope. Anyway. Yeah, oh, I think so. I mean, it's, 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 you know, probably more authentic and it's, 
probably takes away some of that anxiety on your end. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, it's definitely different because it's like you said earlier, you're, you're maybe doing it just as an art gallery, but yeah, you're showing the in progress. You're showing more of your community. You'll put like quotes out there. It's more, I don't know, interactive if that's, mm-hmm. or maybe that's what you're, I don't know if that's what you're striving for is to get more interactive with people instead of just posting finished shots. Cause at yeah. that point, everyone's just saying, Hey, that looks cool. Yeah. If you're doing like progress stuff, you can, can kind of explain the design or if you're posting quotes, you like, mm-hmm. you can kind of get into discussions with people about that. So I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think interaction is definitely a goal. You know, I don't want it to just be like this stop by, look at this cool thing, stroke my ego and leave, you know, it's, <laughs> it's um, we want a little bit of that, right? Just, yeah, you know, everybody just wants it, a little yeah. bit of that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it, it's, it's definitely like, you know, and even expanding that, you know, I know that like, um, uh, like cut and destroy is really into YouTube and that's something that I want to start sharing my process with, but that's a whole other thing, you know, to add to the list of anxiety driving things and like <laughs> more, you, know, you need more filming. social networks. That's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's important, you know, I've always felt like it's important to share knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. about stencil art, you know, I didn't learn from anybody. I learned from, well, I guess I did kind of, but like through tutorials and stuff, but I had no mentor, no one like saying, Oh, you should do it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the mentorship I got were from other graphic designers on how to use Photoshop better. Um, and that really, I think elevated the level of, you know, quality and all that. It's kind of transitioning conversation, I guess, but you know, it's just trying to build the right relationships, I guess. Yeah, I, I could definitely stand to be better at Photoshop. <laughs> like I know I know how to make the, the stencils the way I like, but it could definitely be cleaner. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's definitely better ways to do it than I have hacked together over the years. But uh, it's the online community is kind of, you know, there were some guys in Austin that did it that I connected with a little bit. But since we've moved back, uh, back home, mm-hmm. there's nobody really around that does the same kind of stuff that I do. So it's kind of all online for me, really, with yeah. that community and getting feedback. I mean, I imagine it was that way for a long time. That's why it's really, I'm jealous of you to have two guys like that, like in your backyard. Yeah. I need to take, could, uh, we need, we, we all need off. to take advantage of that more, you know, yeah. they're kind of, they're a little bit of ways away from where I stay. They're out kind of on, uh, like they're probably about 45 minutes away where they stay at for me. Yeah. So, you know, I wish, I wish we connected more, you know, the season has made it hard to do that with anybody. Yeah, but, for sure. Have you seen kind of back to what we'd, we just talked about, have you seen that social dilemma on Netflix? Oh man. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. That freaked me out. Yeah. No, right. Well and good. <laughs> uh, one of the guys was on Rogan uh, a couple days ago on oh, his really? podcast. Yeah. That Tristan, Tristan Harris is really interesting. Mm-hmm. You get a chance to listen to that, but yeah, that stuff's, yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah. See. It's, it's, it's really scary. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it's actually made me more conscious of, you know, you kind of always know it, like you're looking at something and then you, you start getting fed things that are similar to it. And, you know, I'll, you know, a lot of the stuff that I look at, right, is like miniature painting or stencil stuff or street art stuff. But, you know, I live in Arizona. We're a pretty conservative place. Um, and you you can own as many guns as you want. It's really easy to get. So I started taking interest in that and I just started getting the wildest YouTube suggestions just from researching like a shotgun for the house. You know, it's just like from one thing to the next, it's, you know, pretty scary. It's like, why are you recommending me this? I I look at 
painting miniature figures and then look <laughs> up a shotgun one time. And yeah. now you're like wanting me to start a civil war. It's right. crazy. Why do I always end up on street fights? doesn't matter where I start. That's <laughs> that where is, I end. That is yeah. such a true thing. It really does not matter. <laughs> he, uh, so he addresses that in the, in the podcast and it's basically like at this point, everyone it's, it's a competition for attention. That's what mm. they call it. Yeah. And so that's like what they're, their algorithm a recommendation algorithm is based on and it gets you kind of like what you're saying like no matter where you start it gets you into these wormholes where you'll stay on there longer mm-hmm. you know it might lead toward like conspiracy theories in that world like once you get in that world the likelihood that you're going to stay on there for hours instead of minutes or click out is much higher so yeah. though that's what you know at a certain point they'll start remaking recommending hoping you click on it and then once you do you're sucked in for yeah it's a funnel yeah it exactly. really just sucks you in once you get started Yep. Yeah. I, I try not to, I really just watch like woodworking stuff on uh, mm-hmm. YouTube and maybe, you know, how to fix things around the house. Yeah. But it is crazy. Like all the, I talked about it with Anthony, like how many stencil videos are on there. It's just kind of blows my mind now. Yeah. It's, it's just really crazy. Pages and pages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it used to not be that way, you know, and yeah. I was, there was, I, I wish I could remember, like, I, I didn't really pay attention when I was first learning. I was just trying to glean as much knowledge as I could, but I wish I could go back and, and remember who I learned from, uh, to kind of see what they're doing now. Um, and, but now it's like, it's honestly flooded with a lot of that. What's it like the planetary spraying, you know, where they like bat it with newspaper and things like that. Spray paint art. Yeah. 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 That kind of stuff. So it's hard to filter through kind of that noise, but you know, there's a lot of good stuff out there that I wish would kind of float more towards the top, you know? Yeah. I think, so before I started watching Anthony's videos, it was uh, Nacho Cheese TV was the first guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was like those two, and then Simply Sarah were the three I remember watching the most mm-hmm. when I was first getting going. I think the one guy I don't even think he paints anymore that I that I'm aware of. Yeah. I know she still does. She still does amazing stuff. I like love. I love watching her videos. Yeah, I actually, don't think I've ever seen her stuff. Oh, really? She's. You should check that out. Yeah. I, she uh, she has some tutorials. What's that? Oh, does she? Yeah, she has some tutorials on um because she uses like like Anthony the threshold tool mm-hmm. to kind of do hers layer by layer. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't do that some of those have like. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't either. It's it's really interesting to watch though, but I yeah I don't use that either. Um, yeah, do you use do you use posterize? I do, but I do a lot more editing on the front end now mm-hmm. in like Lightroom or kind of touch up in Photoshop because yeah. I started using. Uh, my own photographs so oh nice that um at the least you know that cuts out the the chance that someone else is doing the same thing so and it's just i don't know it just keeps me a little more engaged or if it's something i'm deliberately taking a picture of and you know taking all the way through the process yeah if it's just if it's kind of just something i find online and copy i don't if i don't finish it there's no i don't really care if that makes yeah. sense yeah it makes sense so a lot of it's been like just stuff about my kids. <laughs> so <laughs> be prepared, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, and I, I said that's somebody else, not like just portrait stuff, but maybe taking, I started doing like crops. Like maybe I just want a, a piece of that photo, like something they're holding in their hands is what I'm working on now. So it's, you know, it can still be them, but not, it's just not like constant full photos of my kids <laughs> in every sure. piece. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep it a little bit more abstract in a way. Yeah. So I, that's, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. That's been a lot of fun to, to play around with. So, yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah, I think it's really it's really fascinating. It's it's everybody does it like stencil art differently. I think everyone mm-hmm. finds a process that they really feel comfortable with and they get good results with. And there isn't really one way to do it, you know. But I get asked, I don't like ask a lot, but when I do get asked, it's like I don't know. You got to kind of formulate your own way of doing things. I could tell you how to how I do it, mm-hmm. but I'm doing that for specific reasons. It fits with you know my work stylistically and you know. Uh, my process of cutting and things like that. Whereas you might have a totally different plan for what you want to paint. And, you know, there's like a million ways to skin a cat, like even using the threshold tools, like, Oh yeah, man, I, I, I always struggled with doing it that way. You mm-hmm. know? So um, it's not something that comes natural to me. Yeah. I was the same way. I'll, I'll use it for, if I do like stickers or one or two layer stencils, I'll mm-hmm. kind of use that to help me out. But for the, I don't know. I'm kind of stopping around like seven layers at this point. Like seven different colors or just uh, like seven layers in general? I mean, I'm still doing grays. Like, so. Yeah. I mean, like shades like, of gray. Yeah. I think that's about my limit right now. Yeah. I just feel like that's plenty enough to get the detail I want and then saves me a little bit of time on, on cutting. But. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I would like to start out. We talked about color earlier. I would like to start experimenting with that. Just have to expand my uh, Photoshop repertoire a little bit. Yeah. So pen tools is, uh, is awesome, but also terrible at the same time. It's just a lot. It's very time consuming. Yeah. So is that basically it? I mean, you go in and trace out what you want to color and then you go from there. Yep. Just treat it as like a separate, there, like yeah. pop that out of whatever the image is. And that's like, okay, I want this to be color. And I treat it the same way. I'm just then now throwing, you know, I, I pull in the the swatches. I create swatches from like Montana 94's line is what I use predominantly. And then I'll just like, you know, pop that in and see what colors I want to use for a specific thing. And then once I get it looking good, I mean, I, I pretty much get what the piece is going to look like done in Photoshop um, before I even think about cutting. Yeah. Um, and so there's not a whole lot of like change from that point on. Very rarely is there. Yeah, I ended up doing that with the with the grays, mm-hmm. bringing those colors in because seven is few enough to where you can't just go down the line like mm-hmm. one by one. So you got to make a choice, kind of in the middle about which which one you're going to skip. Oh, so yeah. that's been that's been a big help. Of course, I think mm-hmm. when I started, they only had like seven or eight, but now they it just seems like it keeps expanding every time I check on uh, stock to where they're yeah. in like the twelve and thirteens for grays. I'm like it's wild. Yeah. Do you, what, what, uh, brand of paint do you normally use? I, yeah, I use the 94. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. 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 They have a, a new line that I really want to experiment with. It's more like blue grace, kind of like ocean grace. And oh, that's interesting. they look pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, saw I they had, get... uh, the, the chalk. It may have been them. I don't remember. I think it was. It has like chalk spray paint. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I always thought that would be cool just to kind of go around town and, and do some stuff. Yeah, I did that one time. A long time ago, a, a company came out with it. I think like Krylon or one of the main brands came out. And I remember doing that and getting a really hard time with the police caught me. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, hey, it's it's chalk. You know, freaking out. I was like, it's not paint. You know, just wait till it like, rains, had bro. a bottle yeah. of water and like scrubbed it out. They're like, oh, okay. All right. Well, just don't do this. <laughs> you know? Oh, really? Like, yeah, they were, they were pretty pissed, you know. Cause they were like, they couldn't really bust me for it because it's like not a permanent thing. It's like kids drawing yeah. on the, on the sidewalk, but <laughs> because it's out of a rattle can, it just looks so suspect. It's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you're like a grown up, So that probably is. A, yeah, exactly. Something they're yeah. not used to seeing. 
They're like, what are you doing out here? <laughs> yeah, we have a guy that goes around and does like these big giant like sacred geometry type uh, chalk murals everywhere. Oh, like yeah. on the sidewalks. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like in all the parks. and That's awesome. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he just walks around and does them. Like, I don't think he's ever gotten in trouble, but I, everybody knows him by now. So it might yeah. be different than just some rando like me walking around, like you're saying, with a <laughs> with a can sprayed on the sidewalks. Yeah, might be it's gonna, uh, it's, it's gonna look more illegal than it is. <laughs> <laughs> might be fraud yeah. I listened to a podcast. Teacher has a podcast. Yeah, and he had a guy on, and he said he quit using cans, but now he just takes like a a paper bag, mm-hmm. and he'll just kneel down and just paint through. He has a hole in the bottom, like the shape of what he wants to paint. Yeah, and so he'll just kneel down on the sidewalk and paint it through his bag, and just oh, pick wow. up and and walk off. That's, like, that's, that's a pretty, really great idea. Genius. Yeah. yeah it's really genius. So if you had something that's like just a layer, just something quick. Yeah. You just, just pop down like you're tying your shoe, paint it and be, and be gone. Yeah. But he was yeah. also in LA. Like there's nobody on my sidewalks. So yeah, <laughs> it would, <laughs> there would be no mystery as to who. Yeah, just who left did this that? There. Oh, there's this guy who's kneeling there for a while. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's funny. I thought it was interesting, but yeah. Cool stuff. Well, hell, man, we're uh, we're over an hour already. Yeah. So, kind of what I ended with the last one is is just if you have maybe like one tip or trick or something you wish you knew when you had gotten started that would have saved you a lot of a lot of time and heartache. I know that's pretty broad, but uh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of things. Right? <laughs> you know, that well, you can I, do a couple. I mean, I've yeah, got, yeah. Learn a lot of, I would say I have I have two things. Uh, okay. The the first one is more practical. I would say get better at Photoshop and learn about layer mass that like change the way that I put together my stencils layer mass with brightness and contrast filters specifically really helped me out a lot with, you know, adding different detail to different portions of the piece. Like if I want more light in a certain area, bring out more details that helps out a ton. That was one of the biggest tips a friend, a graphic designer friend gave me, and it just really enhanced the quality of the stencils I was putting out rather than blanketly putting the same filters on the whole image. You're painting in uh, details and brightness and contrast and even posterization to certain areas of your piece. And it kind of helps uh, that detail pop. And so I think as far as like stencil creation, I think that's, you know, it doesn't necessarily save a lot of heartache, right? But it's definitely going to boost the quality of of mm-hmm. your work from like just a few layers, you know, to being able to do a lot more um, with better quality. And the second thing is something I've really lived by. It's more of like a, uh, a mantra is just like keep producing. And uh, I would say that when I was like first creating stencil work, you know, you'd see these guys, even Anthony Cut and Destroy was someone I looked up to for a long time. I still do. He's still producing awesome work. It's like you see these guys doing awesome things and you know what's possible. And then you look at your stuff and it's not quite there yet. It's really easy to give up and be like, well, I'll never get there. Um, but it's more just just keep producing. You're going to mess up. You're going to screw up pieces, but you're going to learn from every single one. And just be patient with your painting process. I think the pieces I mess up the most are like, where I'm trying to rush through things or I make a mistake and I try to rush fixing it, Mm -hmm. you know, just be patient, keep pushing and keep creating. And that's like the best advice I was given and really has changed, 
you know, the way I look at, you know, progressing and getting better. Okay. Yeah. That's, I may steal your uh, Photoshop tip. So yeah. I do, I don't really do the mass a lot. I do a lot in Lightroom now to mm-hmm. try and try and change up, uh, you know, like my contrast and, and the light and the shadows and highlights, but, and usually I'll just kind of use the pen tool to isolate an area instead of mm-hmm. a mask, but that's probably a much better way of doing it. Yeah. There's like some a, a non-destructive way, right? Yeah. 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 Definitely non-destructive and, you know, being able to use the brush tool to put that in, you can put different levels of opacity on it. So mm-hmm. you can kind of gradually increase, you know, light in certain areas. So, you know, and I, that's why I would love to go on YouTube. I, you know, I know a, a lot of stencil artists are, are really, you know, great at sharing like the cutting and spraying process. Um, and then kind of leave a lot to be desired on their process of creating the stencils. And I just would love to just be completely open about that and, you know, teach some of these more advanced, you know, Photoshop stuff, but I'd love to show you too, man. Like, Oh, for sure. I think people like a Skype call or zoom call or something like that. I'd be happy to show you how to do that. Sign me up, my friend. (laughs) Sign me up. I think people would really like that though. I mean, that's, that's a really good point where the tutorials are not, it'll show you how to use like the, the posterized, filter like how to get there like Mm -hmm. you convert black and white and then you go here but there's nothing really that shows all the editing that goes in the hand you know goes into to getting where you want it instead of just slapping that filter on there to where it doesn't look like the filter that makes especially when it's not a perfect image for poster the posterized filter and brightness and contrast alone yeah you're not always going to be working with an image that's like a perfect black and white photo that's perfectly contrasted and that's usually what these tutorials are using you know how do you get that same contrast, you know, but with, uh, you know, kind of a crappy image. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like, you know, using my own photos helps a little bit with that. They're just better. I'm not great at photography, but it's usually better quality than what I'll just randomly pull off the internet. But mm-hmm. I mean, when I first started, yeah, you're kind of at the mercy of the quality of the, the image you pick, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're, you know, like I was, you're just grayscaling it and, and putting the filter on there and going to where, you know, some parts of it are going to look great and some of them are just going to be like a big, a big blob Yeah, where it's just really dark and doesn't, just doesn't read well once you, once you spray it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that I think everybody struggles with, you know, yeah. you know, even with some of the extra tools, it's like, well, you know, this is how it's going to be. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> really not a lot you can yeah. do about it sometimes. Well, at a certain point, you just got to, and a lot of it is who's going to notice it except people like us, right? Yeah, right. So like all the bridges and stuff that I, I'm really into, mm-hmm. like probably, <laughs> probably the only people that care about it is, is people that do stencils. Like there, you notice it creative yeah. bridges is always awesome. You know, I think Logan Hicks is a master at that. Yeah. Um, watching him, you know, put that all together. It's just like something that even for me is like, Oh man, it's really difficult for me to even wrap my head around. For sure. You know, I commend anyone who puts the time into doing that and making it look good because that's it's hard it's not easy it's de- yeah it's definitely hard to make it look good i um had a lot of redos he's done i think on instagram he'll do like snippets every now and then of, like his design process mm-hmm. he hasn't done like a full video that i know of but yeah i mean you see the amount of time that he takes drawing all that stuff in is is wild he's like oh, spends man. you know a whole day on a section of a layer but of course he does these giant ass pieces so I mean, it seems like he's sense. going bigger and bigger these days too. Yeah, I don't. Man, it's wild. I don't. Yeah, I don't. He does that, tons man. of test sprays. I would not have like, uh, like he'll do it over and over again to get it just right. Yeah, and 
you know, that's something that I don't have the eye for it either. Like to, to that degree, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if it's off, if one part's off by a few degrees, like I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to notice it. Yeah. Yeah. To where he's, he's, <laughs> he's in tune with it, but I've seen other guys use, and it might be Neil's use like dodge and burn a lot to mm-hmm. bring in those, to mess around with the, the light and darks. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you found that helpful? process? Yeah. A similar process, you know, you're, you're painting. I think just for me personally, I feel like I have a little bit more control over it than dodge and burn. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you're adding brightness and contrast to specific places. Yeah. Okay. I think he actually uses GIMP too, which I've never really gotten into. So I imagine it's a similar. Yeah. It's just freeware to, to, to Photoshop, similar process. I've kind of used it a little bit because I was, you know, putting something together for, I never ended up doing it, but was going to put together like a stencil tutorial class for, you know, these kids and, you know, obviously Photoshop's expensive or difficult to come by. So their posterized filter is actually, I think better at least back then, this was several years ago was I thought produced better results personally than Photoshop, but Mm -hmm. all the other tools were so difficult for me and time consuming to learn. I just, I just know Photoshop so well, (laughs) you know how to manipulate it. I just stuck with it. Yeah. At a certain point. Well, it's like you said about the laser, something else to learn, right? can only yeah. learn can only be an expert at so many things i'm just i'm gonna be mediocre at a lot of different things so that'd be yeah. that might be the move story of my life man <laughs> <laughs> so well, man this is a lot of fun i'm glad we were actually finally able to hook this up yeah dude, thanks, just for, knocked thanks out for, me. for sure yeah it's, it's a lot of fun are you i know you're on the instagram is your website up and uh, operational <laughs> not yet i mean it's still yeah. coming soon yeah, yeah. are you working on that com. yourself i am working out on myself yeah i do a little web design and web development for for work but i just okay. haven't had time to do that just yet for myself i'm uh i just i took a class this past semester or the first part of this semester and built started building mine it's operational but very ugly so yeah it's a process man it is yeah the css is throwing me for a loop on, oh, a, man. on CSS a lot of is, is is a pain <laughs> really so is. i i got done with the class and i told my wife i understand why people use squarespace and wordpress like i know you can customize those but the the drag and drop stuff i yeah. i get the appeal now yeah so. yeah it definitely definitely helps out that's for sure i'll probably end up just giving in and doing that anyway or <laughs> You know, yeah. you know, getting someone to design it first. That's always my biggest challenge. It's so funny. Like, you you know, oh, well, you can do design. You can do web design. You know, you're an artist. You get it. I was like, ah, you know, it's a very different beast, you know. And I don't think I, I have that. I thought I did. I And I'm just learning that, you know, I'm not great at this. <laughs> and, you know, that's okay. I think learning that you're not good at things and letting other people do it for you is also something to like, you know, realize you don't have to do everything, you know, you can only do so much. Yeah. I mean, you start dealing with that design, you got to start worrying about like psychology and behavior. It's, oh. it's a little deeper than just what you see on the screen. Right. Oh, definitely. How to get people to actually buy something from you. Yep. You know? Yep. So it's all game. All right, man. Well, this was fun. Okay. So Instagram at dad socks at dad socks and then know, website dad socks.com and then Twitter on dad socks art, but it's pretty much just a replication of Instagram at that point. And what you said again? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Uh, Twitter is Dad Socks at Dad Socks Art. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. 
All right, man. Well, this was fun. Maybe we can do it again sometime. Yeah, hopefully that'll be a lot of fun. All right, man. I appreciate the time. All right. You're welcome. All right. Thanks, Thanks Bye. Thanks again to Dad Socks for coming onto the show. And one of the most fun parts of doing this is just how open everyone has been about the process. And I really hope that it's as useful to anyone listening as it has for me. And at some point, I think I'd like to put together a compilation of the tips and tricks from everyone. So let me know if that's something that would be interesting to y'all. And I remember listening to a podcast probably a few years ago between Gary Vee and James Altucher. And they were talking about podcasts and how many people start them and abandon them. And they said that if anyone could send them proof that they had published three episodes of a podcast that they had started, that each of them would come onto that podcast and do a few minutes. And that threshold, however low it sounds and how how low it actually is, has always kind of been in the back of my mind as a starting point. So I really appreciate everyone that has helped to make me get to episode four. You know, actually, I don't know if their offer still stands. That would be interesting to look into to see if maybe they would still come on someone's podcast. I'll have to look into that. Anyway, thank you for listening. All feedback is welcome. Uh, like I said earlier, you can hit me up on Instagram at in the perimeter or email at deathbypapercutspod at gmail.com. And we got a couple more guests lined up, so stay tuned. See you next time.